Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Duxboro? Yeah, I think we're going to stick with Swansboro. We have a beautiful town. We welcome you and uh, come. I would you love said, to come, come visit, visit you and the Ducks. Mayor John Davis of Swansboro, North Carolina. I know it is a serious issue there. Thank you so much for your time. And I thank you so much for watching News Nation Now. We'll see you tomorrow. The Hill starts right now. The Bidenomics campaign is coming, pooling inflation numbers and signs the U.S. may avoid a recession. Yet, exclusive News Nation polling shows Americans aren't convinced. Also, health hazards, new scrutiny surrounding the age of lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. We're learning a lot more about the health of Senator Mitch McConnell. Scary moment that left his colleagues stunned and his future as the GOP leader in question. And the war on big tech, congressional threats and calls for more regulation. Is it a battle Congress can win? They've been winning many lately. Welcome to The Hill on News Nation. I'm Leland Bitter. Great panel with us. May Malman, former Trump White House attorney and senior legal fellow at the Independent Women's Law Center. Scott Bolden, former D.C. Democratic Party chairman and legal analyst. Julia Manchester, national political reporter for The Hill. Also with us, Scott Traner, data science director at Decision Desk HQ. He'll lay out our exclusive News Nation polling. On remote, News Nation political contributor and former Trump White House press secretary, Sean Spicer. Sean, good to see you. We'll start with our new polling from Decision Desk HQ that finds President Biden's job approval rating at 46%, 54% disapprove of the president's performance. This as 65% of the country say the country is on the wrong track. Only 25% say we are on the wrong track. Scott, uh, better numbers than the president has had in the past on approval. Uh, but 65% of Americans saying it's on the wrong track. 65% of Americans don't agree that puppies are cute. True. I, that's the that's the counterintuitive point with all of this. Everything about the president's approval rating has been pretty consistent over the last 12 months. It's been hovering in the mid-40s, high-40s, and a lot of naysayers will say, hey, this isn't good for re-election, but then I would point out to where um, Donald Trump was in, in 2020 when it was a much closer election than it was, and certainly where the Democrats were and Hillary Clinton was in 2016 on the approval rating. So just because you're below 50 doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but coupled with the right track, wrong track, 65% is a huge number to overcome. Yes. Scott, how do Democrats continue to say Bidenomics is working when clearly the rest of America just doesn't feel that? 
Well, they may not be feeling it, but Bidenomics is working. We just had GD, GDP rise by 2.4%, historical low unemployment. The stock market for 15 or 14 straight days is on an upswing, and that's never happened in 100 years. I'm that's all Wall Street, though. Come on. Main yeah, Street doesn't Wall feel Street. that. Well, but, okay, on Main Street, you got the unemployment rate being a record low, about 3%, 3.5%. It's frustrating for Democrats like me who see these great economic numbers and story to tell, and yet... America's not feeling it. Inflation numbers are down. Now, maybe when you buy bread or gas, you're not feeling it, so you still think we're going in the wrong um, direction. Well, they're not feeling it because there is record credit card debt in this country, $1 trillion of credit card debt, and inflation might not be increasing at the same rate that it was increasing a year ago, but still the average family of four is $13,700 poorer than they were in January 2021 by spending power. So this is an average family feeling several thousand dollars right, so, poorer so, so, as they go about yeah, their day. Uh, those me, numbers haven't changed over okay, so we're, we're, Brett, how do you How do you explain that 20-point gap, Scott? Well, it's simple. It's a great stat. And they feel $13,000 poorer than they were a couple of years ago. That directly into 54% of Americans think that inflation is the number one issue, combined with the wrong track, combined with the other poll question in the, in the News Nation poll about whether or not they think they're financially better off. The vast majority do not, or at least a polarity, polarity do not. But why do they blame Biden for that versus their own spending habits or their own choices in their life? So there's going to be a lot of minted PhDs trying to figure that out. <laughs> All I know is it's correlated. I think a lot of it comes down to is leaders, whether it's mm-hmm. President Biden or President Trump, like to claim victory. When they can have victory, and then all of a sudden, when there's a failure, they get tagged with a failure just because they've told the voters what they want. Well, he's also the easiest person yeah. to blame yeah. here. He's the president. You're the president of the United States. Exactly. Just, if you exactly. want, if you want the credit, you're going to get the... He automatically... Right, hey, Sean, I want to bring you in on this real quick. Uh, th- these were very similar numbers to the 2022 campaign, uh, and Republicans really couldn't convert uh, the, the numbers, even, really, even worse numbers for President Biden, into real victories. Uh, in 2022. So I'm trying to figure out if there's a change in strategy for 2024. Well, look, 2022 is a midterm. Uh, it's a very different race. I mean, I did my first race 30 years ago this cycle. Um, and, and look, I will tell you this. Uh, races come down to two basic things. Uh, how you feel about the economy and how you <laughs> feel about security, safety and security. Those are gut, they are visceral reactions. No statistic can make you feel safer or can make you feel better. I know Scott was saying, well, here's GDP. At the end of the day, if you don't feel that the economy is working for you, if you're not saving more, if you're not able to afford things, uh, maybe take your family out to dinner, save for a vacation, feel secure in your job, then it doesn't matter what statistics are there. Similarly with crime, whether that's you look back to 2004, uh, a, a foreign threat or a domestic threat. Maybe you walk, don't feel safe walking down the street. It could, someone can tell you, well, murder's down, crime's down, homicide's down. At the end of the day, if you don't feel safe, no amount of assuaging somebody by statistics is going to matter. And this is the problem. Um, and May touched on this with credit card debt, rising interest rates. We saw it again tomorrow. I mean, when you go into a grocery store, those staples, milk, eggs, yeah. bread, yeah. Uh, hamburgers, hot dogs, those are things... I mean, you know, uh, I, my wife came back the other day and, and made a comment about, I forgot what it was, some, something that the kids wanted, waffles or something, and said, you're not going to believe what they're getting for a pack. I mean, those are things that are affecting people on their daily life. So, yes, the amount may go down, uh, you know, by a percent in terms of some government statistics, but people are seeing yeah. it every day at the grocery store, and they're not feeling that sense of security inside their gut, that visceral feeling. And so let's j- just right, to yeah, put no, a pin no, in We're going to get to when the crime that- numbers 
No, right, well, right. we'll but look at the numbers just, and... Go ahead. But I would just say this. That wrong track number, that's the nut. Because your approval rating is not good, but I've seen enough people these days get elected being underwater below 50%. But when the wrong track is there and you're in the incumbent and you're at 65%, at the end of the day, if you're the incumbent and you're saying, I, I can keep doing going in the direction I am or there's somebody new, they're going to give the new person a chance. Okay. Well, I mean, that... that, that... That, that's in the end why we, ha- we have elections. But I want to drill down with this, uh, Scott, with you. And we're going to get to the crime numbers in a minute that Sean was toss- talking about. But inflation remains the biggest issue for Americans by a wide margin, 54%. Crime comes in second place at 19%. Uh, two-part question. One, inflation is sort of the proxy for how I feel about the economy, right, and how I feel about my own purchasing power and the like. But I'm wondering if there's part of that 65% wrong track that are Democrats who don't necessarily disapprove of President Biden or think the country's on the wrong track because of him, but think the country's on the wrong track because he's not doing enough. There's not enough of Bidenomics. So that would be a a good follow-up question, right? Maybe it has nothing to do with Bidenomics. It has everything to do with Supreme Court, student debt. These are important questions. They don't necessarily affect all Americans, but they affect large swath of Americans and certainly a lot of Democrats who can say, look, I like the president, but I don't think he's doing enough on Roe versus Wade in Supreme Court or whether it be in student loan and, 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 and uh, student debts. Yeah. yeah, and I think because you're seeing the economy rise as this very clear top issue, I'm seeing chatter on Twitter, which is obviously not a real place, that Republicans... <laughs> I think it's X now, right? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's Twitter. Twitter is actually yeah. not a real place anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that Republicans need to kind of end their culture war and run on economic issues. And I just don't feel that in my soul yet, especially when I look at uh, Governor Youngkin's recent win, where people still were pissed that their schools had shut down. They didn't like mask policies like there was a freedom. There was a culture element to it. Um, CRT in schools, that type of thing. And I'm scared that people are going to get the wrong message that that Americans are over that. But do you think that was sort of a symptom of COVID? Because you look at someone like Ron DeSantis, who he, his campaign's gotten criticism for maybe focusing too much mm-hmm. on the cultural issues. Do you think maybe that calculus has changed since 2021 a bit? I guess memories are short, and so we forgot what it was like to have a, a government take over. Mm-hmm. But I, I still just think at the end of the day, moms care about their kids and we do care about the economy, but there, you're going to want a fighter out there who cares about your culture. Yeah, I think both parties have a lot of work to do in this in this particular area. We, the Dems just happen to, have to be in the White House. But the messaging and connecting with the voters and making those statistics connect with how people feel. Maybe we've got to do more work to get better numbers, but the reality of the matter is our messaging out of the White House has got to be stronger and broader so that there's that yeah, connection. Okay, so- how you feel, though, better or worse financially compared to a year ago, 41% said they were feeling worse. Scott, does that mean 59% say they're feeling better? No. It's, some, it's either, some of it better, but I'm going to go back. My favorite stat you brought up in the first part of the block, people have on, on average $13,000 less. The vast majority of people who vote in America have a household income of between $40,000 and $100,000 a year. So that's a family of four. That's their income they're making. If they have $13,000 less, that's less going to restaurants. That's certainly not going on summer vacations. That's not buying a new car. That's having trouble making ends meet. And then that's how they calculate or it falls down to right track, wrong track. And that's the kind of message I think we're going into next year, if that's the case. If people have less money, they're going to look for someone who's going to tell them, I'm going to make your economics better. Speaking of next year, uh, 
joining us why so many Americans say they don't feel that much better despite what the White House uh, says. Congressman Brennan Boyle of the state of Pennsylvania. Congressman, it's good to see you. Thank you. Uh, you've been listening to a little bit of the conversation. 65% of Americans say uh, the country's on the wrong track. I, I know I've listened to the president. I've listened to all the speeches, GDP, unemployment, uh, inflation rates coming down. Why aren't Americans giving him credit if he says things are so good? Well, it's great to be back with you. And, you know, mm -hmm. it is a fact right now that employment in America is better than at any point in my lifetime. You have to go back to late 1960s. But it's not surprising to me that some Americans still aren't feeling great about the economy because we did just go through a very traumatic once-in-a-century pandemic followed then by a worldwide inflation spike. Uh, now, the good news is 12 consecutive months inflation has dropped. The economy continues to get better. Already we saw yesterday the chances of a recession, uh, which were projected, are now much lower than they had been. So I am pretty confident that over the next several months, you will see people's perceptions of the economy improve as the data continues to just get better and better. All right, so l lagging leading indicators, and we can argue, argue that both ways. Uh, President Biden's tweet, building an economy from the middle out and the bottom up is working. We've got more work to do, but we're on the right track. 3% inflation, the lowest over two years, over 12 straight months of declines. Interestingly enough, the same point you just, you just brought up. Uh, again, I, I, I hear you saying we're confident that this is going to happen, but as May pointed out, average family of four, $13,000 poorer. Uh, green, you know, energy-efficient windows from the Inflation Reduction yeah. Act aren't, aren't going to solve that. That's not going to send them on a, on a summer vacation. The economic growth, the wage growth, just isn't there. Well, first, I don't know where the statistic comes from that, that household wealth is somehow lower today than it was four years ago. That's flat-out uh, inaccurate, number one. Number two, no, 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 in terms it's of not, the it's president's not, it's not agenda, wealth, it's how, when you look at the, when you look, excuse me, what? No, no, it, it, we, we're talking yeah, about two different things. It's, it's not household wealth. It's how, yeah. it's how much people, the, the cost of the basket of goods that people buy and their purchasing power now. Oh, right. So uh, you're, you're getting, yeah, I was, to, to be clear, household wealth is actually higher today than at any point in the last four years and much higher than it was at this point in the Trump presidency, even before the pandemic. Now, in terms of inflation, I've acknowledged, I think there's a bipartisan consensus that inflation, which is worldwide as a result of turning the economy back on from the pandemic, that has been a real issue. But we've made tremendous progress, more than literally any other major economy. I'm confident that that uh, progress will continue. Now, in terms of what the president can point to, you look at the popularity of the bipartisan infrastructure bill. I can tell you, coming from uh, northeast Philadelphia, where we just had a major uh, accident on I-95 that shut down the road, and we were able to get it repaired in record time in 12 days. Thank God we had the money from the bipartisan infrastructure bill so that the resources were there. That's the kind of thing that is helping fuel this record economic growth. The final thing I'll cite for you, and you can look at these statistics. This is not subjective. The economy right now, combined with the projections over the next 12 months, that's a stronger economy than Ronald Reagan had in 1984 when he declared it morning in America. Yeah, no, look, I, I, the statistics, by, by the way that so many Americans have been used to, and so many politicians and pollsters have been used to looking at things, the statistics tell this sort of incredible economic story, and yet, 
I, I think I mean, the, the flip side is the American people don't feel it. And it necessarily how things are and how things feel are different. You may argue it's the same way about crime. I know crime in Philadelphia has been a huge issue as well. Criminal justice system handling of crime, uh, 11% too tough, 21% about right, 58% not tough uh, enough. Uh, if people don't feel good economically and secure, especially suburban voters, uh, they blame Democrats for that. Well, I mean, if we're going to talk uh, about crime, fortunately in Philadelphia, like a lot of other cities in the country, from the early 90s when crime was at its record high, through about 2016 or so, we saw 25 consecutive years of crime dropping, violent crime dropping. Then beginning right around 2015, 2016, and it's happened with Republican in the White House and a Democrat in the White House and Democrats controlling Congress, Republicans controlling Congress, we saw, unfortunately, in a lot of urban America, as well as uh, suburbs as well, the crime situation worsen. Fortunately, over the last year, uh, we have actually seen those numbers again reverse and crime is getting better. I can tell you, at least from Philadelphia, there's no question that crime is coming down, though it is still uh, an issue. I believe as Democrats, we do have an answer on that. I haven't heard any answer at all from Republicans. Uh, the reality is, though, crime is, is much more complex than simply, are you tough or are you not tough? It's much more complex right. than that. All right, fair enough. Congressman, good to see you. Thank you very much. A little bit more on the polling on crime, uh, as we dig uh, back in with the panel. How much of this, Scott, is how people feel? I, I, love, I, love, I love hearing the congressman with all the statistics, all the statistics. I don't think if you're sitting in North Philadelphia or West Philadelphia, you really care about whether the murder rate's down one-tenth of a one percent over the past six weeks or not. If you don't feel safe when you walk outside, if you don't feel like you can buy groceries without putting them on your credit card, it doesn't matter what the statistics say. Yeah, one of my favorite phrases after reading some polls where I'm like, do people really think that is, is per perception is reality, right? Like, if we do a good poll, we're not trying to ask people or shade people or tell people anything. We're just asking them what they think. And what they think, whether you think it's right or wrong, is the reality to them, right? And so let's, let's apply that to crime. Whether or not the statistics are moving up or down or whatever it is, is most people in America think that there should be tougher, tougher crime laws. And, and, you know, and in some metropolitan areas, not necessarily the poll we've done here, but I've seen local polls in places like Wisconsin, California, Florida, Illinois, where they look at their cities and they look at their suburbs and they say, look, we think we are not as safe as we were 10 or 15 years ago. And then stack that up against the statistics and the statistics show that crime is down. Perception's reality, and that's how voters yeah. vote. They vote on perception, not on what some book. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I got to get Sean Spicer in, but I wanted to make a point, and I wasn't going to sort of push back on the congressman in this way. But you know, Larry Krasner in North Philadelphia, in Philadelphia had a lot to do with crime going up, and that that happened to be right around 2016, 2017. Uh, how strict should the sale and possession of firearm laws be? Fifty-seven percent more strict, twelve percent less strict, twenty-five percent neither. Uh, again, again, I'll go back to Sean. Uh, there, there's there's certain things that that should be such easy layups for Republicans, um, like crime. Yet their stances on firearms that that they have to have to win the primaries don't jive with the vast majority of Amer of Americans. Yeah, I, I think sometimes though polling is a little too simplistic. I mean, when, when you ask people, uh, when you give them the full picture about legal firearms. Uh, ownership, I think they change their, their perception a little bit. It's really easy to say, do you think this? Do you think this? When you explain to them the number of people who own a legal firearm, who go through a background check, who don't commit crimes. I mean, once again, you know, you, you go through the issues. 
the, the people who are dealing with crime uh, and whose neighborhoods are plagued with it are in a much different situation than I think a lot of the areas in this country where legal firearms uh, are in areas where crime is much lower. They appreciate uh, gun ownership and, and the safety measures that go along with that. So I, I, I just I think there are some times when polls can be a little too simplistic. But just as a quick note to you, Leland, we all know what happens if, if that crime ticks up in West Philadelphia. You end up moving out with your grandparents in Beverly and Bel Air. Uh, it's been proven for years, uh, you know, little Fresh Prince reference for you. <laughs> it's, it's better if you have to explain the joke. <laughs> you, you, know, you know, Sean, when you said your first race was 30 years ago, I think that, that, that gives us a fresh yeah, race. I, I, I know. So, Trainer, okay, there's a little shade there, okay, from Sean Spicer. Polls are too simplistic. Yeah, no, I mean, I teach polling at a university level, so if, you know, if Sean were my student, I'd probably give him at least a C, because the goal when writing a poll <laughs> is to make it simple. If I have to make it complicated and confuse or qualify or do any of those things, then I'm shading the respondent, and if I'm shading the respondent, oh, they're going to give me something that they want to hear. <laughs> If we want to talk about grades, the polling industry over the last several cycles might not be want to talk about grades. So just sure. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know, the, the Republicans and gun control, if you will. Uh, Sean's right about illegal guns. You got to take a whole different approach to it. But closing the loopholes in regard to gun control, we know 70, 80 percent of people believe in gun control in this in this country. But uh, when, the, when the Republicans and NRA get to the legislative piece, it all falls apart. I will tell you this about crime. Right? You don't have to be a victim of a crime in order to feel uh, less safe. I think as I travel this country, I'm in almost every urban center. My law firm has offices in every urban center. And I must tell you, what's different about this crime piece is that crime is happening in areas where traditionally it did not happen, right? In yeah. Restaurant Row, uh, in D.C., 14th Street, yeah. Columbia Road, uh, downtown, uh, Upper Northwest, in areas where traditionally violent crime simply has not occurred. It seems like it's expanding, yeah. and it's a decision that we make as, as, as citizens as to where we go, how long we stay out, and whether we feel safe spending money in those communities. No, it's a, it's a great point to end on. Scott Tranter. Oh, wait, hold on. Sean, you, 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 what, you want the last word the second time? Sean, no, no, I, I was just going to say, I, 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 I agree with the chairman. I, I think that he's right. There's a big difference between a discussion and a debate on gun control and the measures there. People aren't walking down the street right now in Washington, D.C., where guns are largely still illegal, uh, and saying, you know, the issue here is the reason that the Safeway got robbed, the reason that the CVS is not safe to walk through the neighborhood. Scott's absolutely right. Is because of gun control. This is because of a defund the police, a lack of of being tough on crime, uh, and for a variety of other reasons. But this is not, I don't think when you ask the average American yeah, why they don't point. feel safe, it's a gun control issue. Well, yeah, no, 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 it's, 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 a, it's a good point. I would, I would add it's also a prosecutor issue. Uh, and that may be sure. one of the reasons we're seeing the, the crime expand in the way Scott talked about. All right, I, I got myself the last word. Scott Trainer. <laughs> thank you very much for joining the panel. Sean Spice will be back with us for the next block. Programming note, next week, only on News Nation, a special live town hall edition of Cuomo focused on crime in America. Chris hosts from New York with audiences across the country giving viewers their chance to put questions to people in power. Next Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on News Nation. As we said, more with Sean Spicer after the break. Just ahead, the latest on Senator Mitch McConnell. He abruptly froze during a press briefing yesterday. Then today, Diane Feinstein. She had a little incident that brought up even more questions about the health and the ability, the mental acuity of our leaders. We'll see you in a minute.
All right, welcome back to the Hill on News Nation. Reports now emerge that Mitch McConnell has fallen multiple times this year after he periodically uses a wheelchair. This after McConnell abruptly froze yesterday when he was addressing reporters, prompted fellow Republican John Barrasso to help McConnell away from the pro- podium. Meanwhile, on the other side of the aisle, Diane Feinstein had what appeared to be a moment of, well, you can decide what adjective you want to use, during a vote on the defense appropriations bill. Instead of voting yay or nay, Feinstein somehow decided to give a speech and had to be told to, quote, unquote, just say yay. Take a look. I would like to support a yes vote on this. Um, it provides $823 billion. That's an increase of $26 billion for the Department of Defense. And it funds priorities submitted. Yeah, just say aye. Okay, just aye. Aye. Thank Thank you. All right, the incidents, shall we say, have reignited the discussion around term limits and transparency around age and health on Capitol Hill. Back with the panel, Sean Spicer also with us. Uh, you guys won a few rounds on this last night, okay? <laughs> Scott said that Biden's not old, so that's what, that's why we had to go several no, I rounds. I have a health issue, and I focus on health when it comes. Well, to we, 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 can, we can also focus on mental acuity. How about okay. that? And, and I guess, I, and Julie, since you haven't weighed in on this mm-hmm. yet, all right. It's kind of been interesting, right? Because yeah. Democrats really have now not wanted to talk about Mitch McConnell because they realize it opens up a discussion on right. Joe Biden. Republicans have sort of gone hands-off, at least for the past 24 hours, on Joe Biden because they realize it opens up Mitch McConnell. So now is it just like the old people protecting the old people? It seems like that, and I think it's been like that for quite some time. I mean, it was watching what happened yesterday and then hearing about Joe Biden calling Mitch McConnell. One thing that I thought about was both of these men are roughly part of the same generation. Maybe Joe Biden's a little bit older than Mitch McConnell or vice versa. versa. Yeah, vice versa. But, um, you know, these men served in the Senate together for decades. Um, So it just shows that both both parties are going through this. They're dealing with this. And I think there's also the question of when is it time to let young blood in? But there's a a fear of what happens when someone like a Mitch McConnell goes that away. kind of seniority a, thing yes. that gets in the way. Part is that young people are being let in. If Diane Feinstein is not actually the one making a vote, it is some 23-year-old staffer, right? It's somebody who's not actually elected. So there are young people uh, in charge. It's just not anyone that that someone. Well, I, I don't know which is scarier, uh, Sean. <laughs> this, to be fair, right? Is this really as much of an age issue? Um, you think about the sort of the way you you watch President Trump interact with people and in unscripted situations versus the way Joe Biden does. I uh, think what you want of their politics, we can all agree that they may be a couple of years apart in age, but are vastly different in sort of cognitively how they process things on the stump or out with crowds. The Constitution leaves this up to the American people. Is that where it belongs? Absolutely. Look, I've seen some 80-year-olds that were sharp as an attack, both physically and mentally. I've seen some, some, some 60-year-olds that looked physically like in, you know, in, in huge pro- or having problems and, and same thing mentally. So I, I think the problem in America is that we always want an out. We should enact term limits. We should have an age limit. At the end of the day, you're the one voting. If we think that Joe Biden's got an issue, then vote him out. If you think Mitch McConnell's got an issue, vote him out. The voters of California made a choice. I don't agree with it, but I don't live in California, thank God. Um, but at some point, 
this is we're at, we always seem to act like we're helpless in these situations. The voters of California believe for whatever reason, because of her stances, because of seniority, a variety dying Feinstein is equipped to, to to do this. I don't like it. I think that people who are clearly you can tell that whether it's Joe Biden or Dianne Feinstein uh, have have issues. Uh, but I also think that at some point, the issue that whether it's California or the voters of Kentucky made a decision that they want to go forward. The thing with McConnell that's different on two fronts. One is there's a big difference between the president and the leader of the Senate. But the second thing is, at the same time, McConnell wasn't just elected by the voters of Kentucky as a United States senator. His colleagues have continued to vote him as the leader. So there's a again, I think there's three tiers. There's what we expect out of the president of the United States. There's what we expect out of a United States senator. And then uh, Mitch McConnell's colleagues have decided to continue to have him be their leader. And he's fourth in line, you know, to the, or in line for the, uh, actually, he's not pro tem anymore. So yeah, no, the point no, he's, is, he's, I, yeah, uh, he, he'd actually become a president. But, uh, but I guess this is the way I, I would look at it. Okay. Term limits, we want to go back to polling. Uh, and this wasn't in the News Nation poll, but it's pretty, pretty consistent. 80%, 80 plus percent of Americans want term limits. I, I haven't seen any polling on age limits, but I'll go back to the panel here. Uh, that can't happen without a constitutional amendment. It just doesn't. So it's not going to happen. No, no. I mean, you, 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 and, and by the way, that's despite most sitting senators and members of Congress promising on their platforms that they will vote for term limits, but it requires two-thirds of both the House and the Senate and then three-quarters of the states. The states would probably be fine with it, but two-thirds of the House and Senate are not going to vote themselves out of office. It just ain't going to happen. They say that they want term limits, but they voted for Joe Biden for 50 years to be in office. God like, bless them. God bless those voters. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that I note that this was on a fictional television show <laughs> called The West Wing. But there was that moment where uh, then-President Bartlett said, you know, we have, we have term limits. It's called elections, and elections have consequences. I think so. the, uh, if I may very quickly, I think the Republicans and the McConnell piece is far more serious. I think the age and health... Before, uh, it doesn't surprise here. any of us. No, 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 because let me tell you something. When I watched that video... Uh-huh. I couldn't figure out where I had seen that before. My father passed away two years ago, and when he was in his 80s, and my sister called me today and said he zoned out. He TIA'd. That's like a mini yeah. stroke where we had, we had some doctor, We had a doctor on last night who had been with him. And, and I've said, seen that before. Went, but what was more disturbing yeah, was uh, nobody uh, else uh, well, followed John, up with him. Well, they have seen it before. Well, John like Barrasso, who was a doctor, was next to him. And yeah. there was also a thought that it's sort of this kind of seizure thing. But I'm going to let Sean Spicer have the last word quickly before we uh, head to break, Sean. I was going to say, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm from Rhode Island. For those of us from f- small states where we've seen members of Congress, both in the Senate and the House, go and build up seniority, this gives us folks from small states uh, an opportunity to compete with the bigger states that can dominate on some of these committees. So we build up seniority. So I think there is a very different perspective sometimes from people who come from states that aren't California or Texas or Florida, where you're going in and you're going to get the representation on the key committees to get the funds, to get the projects. But I think there's an opportunity. My, when I grew up, the first real person I worked for was John Chafee. He had gotten elected in the Senate leadership as the Republican conference chairman. He went on to chair the EPW committee, very important to the state of Rhode Island. And I think that that's, there's a very different perspective sometimes by where you come from and you've seen an opportunity for these smaller states. Term limits wouldn't give a state like Delaware or Rhode Island or a lot of other smaller states the opportunity to, to get some of the positions. Yeah, you know, John, I, 
Boy, I'm glad you brought that up because I look behind you and things in Rhode Island look awfully tough right now. I mean, we, we're, we're feeling for you, buddy. Keep, keep up the good fight, all right? Sean Spicer's with us. I think he's sticking around for another uh, block or two here. Coming up, the war on big tech. Lawmakers threaten to hold Mark Zuckerberg in contempt, but can they regulate the industry? Yeah. Speaking of Congress, what have, what have they regulated well in the past? We'll, we'll weigh in on that. Ma, is this how you feed a hamster? Uh, I think so. Is my homework right? Hmm, I think so. Is, uh, this milk still good? Uh, I think so. When it comes to parenting, sometimes it's okay to think you know. But when it's something as important as your child's car seat, don't just think. No. Double check if your child is in the right seat for their age and size. It'll help protect them in a car crash. Don't just think. No. By visiting NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Serving in Afghanistan, I was shot in the head by sniper fire. I was given a 5% chance to live. I'm Adam Alexander, and I'm a veteran. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I tell kids that with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year. My victory is being there for the next generation. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. In many countries around the world, medical care is scarce. Countless millions have no access to safe surgery. Mercy Ships is there to help. Mercy Ships provides free surgeries for the thousands of those who are waiting for surgery at each port. Mercy Ships is bringing services to countries that would otherwise never be able to access those services. Find out how you can help by visiting our website at mercyships.org. That's mercyships.org. I'm a pretty great multitasker. I can wash dishes and do laundry. I can roller skate while walking my dog. I can even order lunch while doing my homework. But I can't use my phone while driving. A distracted driver is one of the leading causes of death in the United States. So when it comes to driving, please, don't be a multitasker. Don't drive distracted. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. When it comes to a gun suicide attempt, all it takes is a moment. My son, Ricky, took his life by the use of a firearm. It broke me, and I contemplated suicide. My grandson, I was going to have to be here for him. I still own my firearm. I keep it in a safe because I want to keep my grandson and myself safe. Store your guns, locked, unloaded, and away from ammo. Hear more safe stories at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by Brady and the Ad Council. For more than a century, AM Radio has evolved to meet the needs of our community. In their car, at home, or on the job, more than 80 million listeners depend on AM Radio each month. AM Radio is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, which keeps us safe in dangerous times. It's reliable, free, and public safety depends on it. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. You're listening to The Hill on News Nation. To find News Nation on your screen, go to joinnn.com. My name is Michael Houston, Navy veteran and VFW Post Service Officer. I'm encouraging all United States military veterans and active duty members to take advantage of the many benefits and privileges you've earned by serving our great country. 
please reach out to a veteran service officer or your local VFW. You served your country. Now let your country serve you. For more information, call 800-827-1000 or visit Benefits.gov. In mid-2017, we received the news that nobody wants to hear your child has cancer. St. Jude made us feel that everything was gonna be alright. It's like an army of people working together, following the same dream, which is getting a 100% success rate for curing childhood cancer. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. All right, welcome back to The Hill on News Nation. Threats to place Meta CEO, Meta's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, everything else. Uh, the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, there had been some threats to put him in contempt of Congress. Evidently, that is, quote unquote, on hold for now. House Judiciary Committee Chairman uh, Jim Jordan called off a vote on the matter this afternoon. Jordan says Facebook is now fully cooperating with the committee's investigation. But he posted this to be clear. Contempt is still on the table and will be used if Facebook fails to cooperate. Meta previously failed to hand over documents to the committee which is investigating the alleged censorship by big tech companies on issues such as COVID-19 and vaccines. With that, we bring in Rebecca Clare. She is a technology reporter for The Hill. All right, Rebecca, um, are, are we to believe that Facebook was suddenly had a change of heart or what happened? Right. So I think this whole time we've sort of seen Facebook saying that they are cooperating, that they're sending over these documents. And at the same time, you know, Chair Jordan kept sort of ramping up these attacks and threatening to, to hold this vote. And then today, you know, he said that they sent over more documents. A Facebook spokesperson also confirmed that they sent over additional documents. I think it's a little bit unclear what they sent over today that sort of changed the course of how they're viewing this. But I think this is definitely sort of in line with what House Republicans have sort of said that they wanted to do if they were in power in terms of their agenda on tech and sort of really putting these content moderation debates uh, on the table. Okay. This is full negotiation. I can tell you that I've handled several of these. They've negotiated, negotiated, negotiated. And today what happened was he says, I'm going to put it to a vote. And Facebook's lawyer said, okay, what documents did you want again that we haven't given you? Because you can't really go to court and have the judge do our, our arbitrate it, if you will, or mediate it. And the rules don't apply like you're in court with the, uh, with the legislature. And so you negotiate, negotiate, but you don't want to be held in contempt. You don't want to really get a subpoena issued to your top executives to come answer for failing to turn over documents. Although I will say, Facebook turned over at least 53,000 documents already. What else could they be looking for? Yeah, I guess my question is, what's the purpose of this? I mean, is this all just politics and grandstanding from Republicans who seem to be members somewhat... Of Congress, members of Congress grandstanding? Grandstanding what? I mean, what, what do you... Have you noticed that? Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I think what was interesting also is when he sort of um, posted the, the thread of these documents that, uh, you know, that he said were from today. I think it's a little bit unclear what exactly they're looking for. I think a lot of 
you know, what was posted today is also things that were publicly reported or publicly said by the Biden administration in terms of how they wanted social media companies to handle things like COVID misinformation and vaccine misinformation. So it seems a bit similar to the But what this goes to, to sort of an issue in terms of what who was trying to influence Facebook to do what and what speech was to be restricted? We, you know, the, the, the obvious thing is Hunter Biden's laptop kind of cases like that. Facebook, it relates mostly to uh, vaccine and covid information. Jim Jordan, based on Facebook's newfound commitment to fully cooperate, uh, the committee has declined to hold them in contempt. Uh, then in terms of what they have gotten. Uh, Jordan on Facebook pressure. In April 2021, a Facebook employee circulated an email for Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and COO Sheryl Sandberg writing, we are facing continued pressure from external stakeholders, including the Biden White House, to remove posts. And I think, May, this is this is what Republicans are going for, right? Right. That. So 70 percent of Democrats now agree that the government should be censoring information through social media companies. So I think there's you know, a political message there that Democrats are the party of censorship. And I think that that is a winning message for Republicans. But also, so many people were personally affected by this that I think that you're going to inspire a lot of emotion and elections are emotional. So when you look at uh, one of the tweets or X's or whatever that Jim Jordan just put out, there was a senior advisor from the White House who was outraged that Facebook would not remove a particular post. Jim Jordan showed what the post was. It was a meme. It was a meme of somebody watching TV. It was Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio, look, watching TV saying, you know, making a COVID joke. So these are the types of things. Like the White House was micromanaging memes on Facebook. And I just don't think the American people are going to stand for that amount of censorship. Yeah, right. that's the same issue in court, too. We, we saw in federal court, it's up on appeal right now, but the judge tried to shut all of that down based on what he had reviewed. Right, yeah, but th- right. that meme at least was voter misinformation. This was just literally a COVID joke about trying to make it a mesothelioma ad. Have you or one of your loved ones been affected by? They were, they were it was a joke. It was a... No, they, you, you know, you might have a future in, in these in kind of... In a mesothelioma. Yeah, there we go. There we go. You know what it says, you know, actor with real story or something? There we go. All right, Rebecca, thank you very much. Uh, coming up. Congress is seeking answers in the truth about UFOs just one day after hearing from three witnesses. All right, what Congress thinks they can do about UFOs, Liz Bardis has that next. News Nation. All right, it's been one day since the highly anticipated hearing on unidentified aerial phenomenons, or UAPs. Congress received some answers, but not anywhere close to what they were looking for. And they're now weighing the steps to advance their investigation. Elizabeth Vargas with some members of Congress that she has tonight on what they hope to be a select committee. So how would this work, Elizabeth? They're hoping, first of all, to get access to a SCIF. They are going to make that request again. They were denied access to a SCIF, a secured room where they can view classified uh, intelligence. Mostly, in this case, the classified whistleblower complaint from David Grush in which he outlines exactly where in the United States this military base is that has aircraft of non-human origin as well as remains of non-human origin. So they're going to make a, a real full-throated effort. I'll be speaking to the con- one of the congressmen from the committee in just a few moments about what his next steps are. Um, they're also hoping to get, you know, to work with other committees and with the Senate, because as you know, Senator Chuck Schumer, along with the Republican senator, have made a, a move 
introduced some legislation to declassify a lot of the UFO, UAP, as they're now called, records that have been established already. Uh, so there's a big push now in the wake of yesterday's hearing to get more details. It was frustrating to hear David Grush say so many times, I can't tell you it's classified. So we'll, uh, we'll get more from him in just a few moments. All right, sounds good. Elizabeth Vargas then, 10 minutes from now, 6 p.m. Eastern. Now to the question of who can play in school sports. Allowing female transgender students to compete in women's sports has been really this lightning rod issue. Today, Congress held a hearing on transgender issues. Our panelist, May Malman, right here, testified about Title IX. Schools are going to allow biological males to compete on women's sports. This will directly and overwhelmingly harm female athletes who are far more likely to be displaced by a male athlete than vice versa and far more likely to face risks in private spaces like locker rooms. All right. So is this now kind of where the debate is going? You have far left transition at any for any reason, at any moment, and must be affirmed and must be paid for. Far right, uh, parents have absolutely no say over pronouns and on and on and on. In the middle, hey, we're going to have to find a fair way so that the vast majority of women are not disproportionately affected by a very small group of men who have decided to become women or women, uh, boys who have decided to become girls. Yeah, so I think, yes, but when we talk about that fair way, what I'm trying to advocate for is let's not let that fair way have the burden fall exclusively on women. And I think that that is the problem with President Biden's proposed Title IX rule, which it basically is going to exclusively harm women because women are going to have to prove a need for a single-sex sports team. There are a lot of other ways you could do it. You could have separate teams that are co-ed. You could have maybe men participate in women's sports in a practice uh, setting, but not in a competitive setting. You could make men's teams be a little bit more inclusive. Um, but right now, as it stands, the burden falls on women, and Title IX was created to protect women. The initial title for it was the Women's Educational so, Equality so Act. So, Scott, this, this is the question, right? And so much of, of politics is perception and sort of just deciding the field of play. Mm -hmm. If Republicans stake out the field of play as girls on boys' sports teams and are able to define the battle or boys on girls sports teams and are able to define the battle that way. Can Republicans, can Democrats fight on it? Uh, when you say fight on it, what do you mean? Just fight, fight, and, fight, and, fight and win and demand that biological men be allowed to play on women's sports teams. Is that a, is that a winning political strategy? Um, it's a, it depends on who their constituency is. Swing, Listen, swing, the, the battle, swing, swing voters the, the, in Atlanta, right. <laughs> Charlotte, the, the, Phoenix. Listen, it isn't about male biological, uh, biological males who are playing on women's team because they are transgendered, if you will, and they identify with women. I don't know where the line of demarcation is, but this Title IX uh, proposal tries to protect everyone. I'm convinced of that. Now, it needs a lot of work, if you will, and I'm sure Democrats and Republicans could probably work on it, but the idea that women are playing on male sports, and if I'm transgendered, and my body and my mind is that I am a a, a, a woman, even though I've been born by a Six, six foot three, yeah. That's, that's okay. the extreme case, and I'm uh, not endorsing that per se, because there's safety issues, too. And, you know, the... One of your uh, uh, panelists that testified today talked about the competition. I think that's a bit of a distraction. But this issue of hmm. Title IX and how we implement it is going to stay right. with and us. It's a 70% issue. So 70% of Americans and a majority of Democrats believe that sports 
should be sex segregated. And, and actually, it, more Democrats now than two years ago believe they should be. The, the, mm-hmm. the poll numbers moving against um, the White House on this one and, and sort of the extreme parts of the Democratic Party. Coming up, the fight over flavored milk in schools. A new development as the government tries to decide what your kids can drink in the cafeteria. Yes, this is really something Congress is deciding. Why they're deciding it next. (laughs) Tomorrow, why conservatives can't stop talking about Barbie and why Dems insist on keeping Kamala Harris on the ticket. Plus, is the DeSantis campaign over? Bachelorette alum Rachel Lindsay and journalist Rick Sanchez join the panel tomorrow on Dan Abrams Live. The milk wars continue. We've reported on the USDA considering a ban on flavored milk for students in kindergarten through eighth grade to try to reduce obesity. Now there's a push to save chocolate and strawberry milk. In Congress, they're trying to prevent the Agriculture Department from using money appropriated for its 2024 budget to enforce its proposed ban. I'll end with just some amen. We all wish we were half as powerful as the as the dairy lobby. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, there we go. All right. <laughs> Thank you for watching The Hill on News Nation. We're back tomorrow at 5 p.m. I'll see you at 7 p.m. Eastern for On Balance. Elizabeth Vargas Report starts right now. Tonight, the fight for answers to one of the most important questions ever asked. Are we alone in the universe? One of the leaders.